Wasn't that a beautiful song Jenny sang today? And it follows right into my message and goes with it beautifully. And I trust the message will follow right into what, what Randy was sharing last week about true and full commitment that we need for Christ. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Our Father, we thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He died for us, and now he calls us to follow him, that we can all say with the hymn writer, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And Lord, we just pray until the day you take us home to glory, we will serve with our last dying breath, Lord. We will give our all to you, and that we will follow where you ever you take us and help us to be a blessing, Lord. And we thank you that everything we do for you is something that you take note of and will reward us for it. We just thank you and praise you now and pray that you'll hide me behind the cross and speak through the Holy Spirit to each and every heart. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We've all heard about the famous bicycle race called the Tour de France. It takes place every year. It's one of the most grueling races that the cyclists go through on a yearly basis. And it's contested over 2,000 miles, including some of France's most difficult and mountainous terrain. Eating and drinking is done on the run. And one of the famous cyclists, his name is Gilbert Duclos Lassalle, describes in an article entitled, The Annual Madness. <laughs> Some of us would consider it madness to do what they do. Some of these races that are run or cycled or gone through. To train for the event, LaSalle rides his bike, get this, 22,000 miles a year. I don't even put that much on my car in probably three years or more. What kind of prize makes people endure such a race? $10,000? No. $100,000? No. No, it's just a special winner's jersey. They call it the yellow jersey. Many of them wear the yellow jersey throughout the race, who's ever in the lead. But the one who comes down the finish line with the yellow jersey is the winner. And it's such a great honor to be in the race and to win it. It's so difficult. But the Christian life is even more difficult and more ardenous than the Tour de France. Because it doesn't held just once a year. It's in our lives every day to live for the Lord, to be a blessing to someone, to serve him. And it's the greatest joy I have. In my retirement, I am so thankful that I can serve him even more than I did before. And I'm very joyful about it. And the Lord promises that when we follow him and we serve him, he will reward us for what we have done when we get home to glory. Sometimes we get some awards in this world and 
some blessings and along the way, but when we get home to heaven and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, and he gives us rewards for what we have done for him in his name, for his glory, and with good motives and sincere motives. The title of our message today is, What's in it for us? So many times we hear the expression in life, what's in it for me? My needs are not being met. People don't love me. I don't have enough friends or this or that. Me, me, me. The Christian life is not about me. It's about Christ and glorifying him and serving him and spreading his name to the, along the face of the earth. Please turn in your Bibles or read on the screen with us Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 through 30. It says, Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Verse 30, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Thomas Guthrie said, earth for work, heaven for wages, time for the battle, another for the crown, time for employment, eternity for enjoyment. We may get tired throughout the Christian life in our service for the Lord. We get tired in the work, but not of the work. And that's the difference. Today we're going to look at three things. Number one, leaving all to follow Christ. Secondly, laboring sacrificially for Christ. And third, looking forward to the rewards that we will receive from Christ. May God bless us as we look at it. J. Vernon McGee said, it's easy for us to think that Simon Peter is betraying a very selfish streak here. Did our Lord rebuke him? No. Our Lord did not rebuke him. Instead, he told him what a great reward would be his. Likewise, I believe that today Christians ought to be working for a reward. So let's look at our first point today, leaving all to follow Christ. The early disciples followed him with everything they had. And it says of Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 20, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Then immediately they left their nets and followed him. So for Peter and Andrew, following Christ meant leaving behind their nets, their business, everything they knew in life, they left it behind 
to follow Jesus. They gave it up. Then the next two disciples, James and John, they were brothers also. And it says in that same chapter, Matthew 4, 21 to 22, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately, here again, it's the same thing, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So now it's a little tougher. Not only did they just give up the nets, but here these two brothers were, they gave up their business with their father. They left the father, they left the boat, and they went on to follow Jesus. Matthew was the same way. He was a tax collector, and he was sitting at the tax collecting station when Jesus passed by. And Jesus said, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And like Peter and Andrew and James and John, they followed Jesus, no turning back. And then one of my favorite ones is from the Old Testament, Abraham. Remember when Abraham was the leader of his household, and there he was with a prominent position there, and all of a sudden the Lord calls him and says, Abraham, Abraham, and he tells him to follow him. And it says in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 and 4, Now the Lord had said to Abram, who was Abram before he became Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. It tells us in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, he went out not knowing where he was going. He had the faith to follow the Lord, not knowing where he was going to go, not knowing exactly what he was going to do, but he knew the Lord had called him. And that's the way he wants us to be, to walk by faith, not by sight, and to leave all to follow him. No Christian who has ever left all to follow Jesus has ever regretted it. It's our joy, it's our privilege to follow him and to serve him and to say, Lord, I take all these things that were mine and I present them to you. I'm going to be willing to leave them all behind and to follow you. Yes, it's something that we can all do. There's always things in our lives that can distract us, that can hinder us. And when we get saved, we leave behind the old life and that's great, and that's what we need to do. But as we grow in Christ, we see that there are things that we have to leave behind as we go along in the, in the Christian journey as well. And it may be a besetting sin. It may be a bad habit. It may be something that's distracting us or hindering our, our walk. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Can you imagine if you were to sign up to run in a race, and you didn't know how far the race was going to be, and you didn't know the course where you were going to run, and you didn't know any of the details going into it, but 
you said, they said, show up and run the race. But you see, the Lord tells us everything that we're going to go through. He didn't sugarcoat anything. When he called people to follow him, he spelled it out what a life of, of service and commitment and dedication was going to be, and then they could follow him. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. One day, a newspaper editor wrote a, an article, and he said in the article, in the editorial, what's wrong with the world? So our dear brother G.K. Chesterton, which I like to read his quotes, he's very good, wrote in reply, I am, I'm what's wrong with the world, because we're sinners. But Jesus could take a sinner like me and a sinner like you and turn us into saints and use us for his service. That's all grace and all mercy. And we're thankful for it. Secondly, we need to labor sacrificially for Christ. Serving the Lord has many benefits. I often think when I was working and I was applying for a job, there was also always two considerations. Number one, what's the salary, right? How much money am I going to get for this job? The other one was, what are the benefits? Some companies give better medical benefits, better vision benefits, better dental benefits. You have to weigh them both, right? Your total package, your total is so important. And in the Christian life, it's no different. And that's the way we should be thankful for the blessings and benefits that we have and know that the Lord can use us. That's how I felt when I had that health scare, that God had more for me to do. When he healed me and raised me up, he was saying to me, Dean, I'm not done with you yet. I still have things for you to do. And that's so, so important. And that's why he's left us here on this earth. Not just to take up a seat in the pew, not just to take up a place in the world, not just to have a home or a job or a nice car or whatever. That's important, but it's not our focal point. It's not what really should drive us. What should drive us is our service and labor for the Lord. Thomas Acampus wrote as if the Lord was speaking directly to us. He said, do not be worn out by the labors which you have undertaken for my sake, and do not let tribulations ever cast you down. Instead, let my promise, like Jenny was singing, this is the promise, this is the promise I have made to you. Let my promise strengthen and comfort you under every circumstance. I am able to reward you above all measure and degree. You shall not toil here long, nor always be oppressed with griefs. A time will come when all labor and trouble will cease. Labor faithfully in my vineyard. I will be your recompense. Life everlasting is worth all these conflicts. And life eternal. Lift your face, therefore, to heaven. Behold, I and my saints with me, who are in this world, have great conflicts, are now comforted, now rejoicing, now secure, now at rest, and shall remain with me everlastingly in the kingdom of my Father. One of my favorite verses is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So many times in life you can do things and you say, boy, that was in vain. That was in vain. I did that for that person and it was in to totally in vain. It didn't, didn't help. They didn't do anything about it and so forth. But when anything we do for the Lord is not in vain, he takes note of it and he will reward us for it. A man named Glenn Pierpoint pointed out nine verses in the New Testament that speak about labor. He says, our labor for the Lord, our labor of love, our labor is not in vain, as I mentioned that one. A labor by Christ, a labor God does not forget, a labor which is done together, a labor for eternal things, a labor which is for a reward, a labor done to be accepted by him, and a labor which doesn't have an end. So may the Lord help us to labor for him and to labor sacrificially. When you do something sacrificially, it means you give something up to get something better. And that's what the Christian life is all about, getting something better. The Christian life is better, and it's not only just better, it's the best. It's the best life. And yet people in the world think, it's got to be boring. All you do to go to church all the time, pray all the time, read your Bible all the time. What, what is, how is that going to benefit me? If they only knew, if they only knew the joy that we have, that they would want to turn to Christ. And third, looking forward to the rewards from Christ. For Peter and the other disciples, he said, you're going to sit on 12 different thrones, each one in a throne, and you're going to rule over and judge the tribes of Israel. That was their special reward. But you say, well, what's in it for me, right? What's in it? What is my part? I'm not going to be on one of those 12 thrones, right? But he says in verse 29 of the chapter, Matthew 19, 29, and everyone, that includes me and that includes you, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Now, it doesn't mean when it says inherit eternal life that by doing all those things you're going to have eternal life. We know from the scriptures you have to believe in Christ. You have to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You have to be forgiven of your sins and make that choice. But... The benefits are eternal for each of us. And I love that. I love that word hundredfold. A hundred times as much. If the stock market could grow a hundredfold, we'd all be rich, right? The, the, it goes up and it goes down. But our stock in heaven and our bank account in heaven goes up and up. It's beautiful. And our treasure is in heaven, and that will never be reduced at all. We have to look forward to so many things. The Lord tells us that we're going to reign with him. He tells us that we're going to judge angels. He tells us that we're going to receive crowns. And he tells us that we're going to receive rewards. I mean, that's pretty good. When I read that, I get pretty excited. It says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4, around the throne were 24 elders. 
And I saw on the throne the 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Every Christian is going to be receiving crowns, and that's going to be a blessing. And there's five major crowns mentioned in the New Testament, and maybe in another message we can cover these five. They're a blessing. I know Sylvia has taught that in her Bible class before, and it is so exciting. It's so encouraging. Five crowns, the imperishable crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, and the crown of life. Imagine that. You can't even, can you wear one? We can barely wear one crown on our head here on earth. We're going to have five crowns in glory. What a blessing. J. Vernon McGee said, in that day, Many Christian leaders who receive acclaim in this life will be ignored, while many unknown saints of God will be rewarded. What a glorious, wonderful picture this presents to us. So many times I think, and many of us think, that Billy Graham, he won so many souls to Christ, I mean, he's going to have the biggest amount of rewards and crowns and things to cast down at the Savior's feet. But what about the the person who works humbly and, and doesn't gain the, the fanfare, doesn't gain the notoriety, doesn't give the publicity, but works daily for the Lord, sometimes that person will get even more rewarded in heaven. And I love that. After a preacher died and went to heaven, he noticed that a New York cab driver had been given a higher place than he had. Imagine that. I don't understand, he complained to St. Peter. I devoted my entire life to my congregation. Peter responded to him, our policy is to reward results, explained St. Peter. Now what happened, Reverend, whenever you gave a sermon? The minister admitted that some in the congregation fell asleep. Exactly, said St. Peter. And when people rode in this man's taxi, they not only stayed awake, they prayed. <laughs> it's humorous, but it goes to show that God rewards us for our efforts. And, and you can be an average, ordinary Christian, and he's going to give you an extraordinary reward. So as we conclude our message today, we can ask ourselves, what's in it for us? What's in it for me? And I would answer, much, much is in it for us, both now on this earth, but even more in glory when we get there. Imagine he's gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. He has mansions for us in heaven. And I think that as great as heaven is going to be with the streets of gold and all the things, the pearly gates and all that, our eyes will be on one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else will be superfluous to us. It will come secondary. Because when we see Jesus and fall down at his feet and worship him, we're going to say, Lord, it's all been worthwhile. It's been worthwhile. It's been a fulfilling, satisfying life. Like that story that we often see at Christmas time. It's a wonderful life. Remember the man who thought his life didn't count for anything? He wasn't helping anybody or 
his life just wasn't there. And the Lord had to send an angel to show him what life would be like without him. And that's the way it is in our church. And that's the way it is in Christianity. If we could only see behind the scenes the way God sees, we would consider our role crucial and to the kingdom of God. And it is. We need to leave all behind and follow the Lord. If there's something hindering us, we need to cut it off. We need to get rid of it, and we need to leave it all behind. God never forgets anything we do for him, and he's going to reward us for our faithfulness to him. There's nothing wrong with seeking rewards as long as our main motive is love for Jesus and our desire is to serve him. Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you that Peter asked this question because it opened up to all of us to see what our rewards will be. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not rebuke him, but you told him, all the disciples, and you told us what we're going to get in the end and how you're going to be with us. And in that song Jenny sang, uh, you are with us when we're in the cold, in the heat, in the battles of life, in the testings, in our work, in our daily lives. And we thank you that you're, you're guiding us, and we pray that we will follow you, Lord. No turning back. And we just praise you and thank you now in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen.